Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, Tech fans, and welcome into episode 160 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. On today's show, we've got a lot to discuss. We will discuss the latest news regarding Virginia Tech football and its roster, analyze the 8-1 and start for men's basketball, and discuss wrestling, wrestling's dominating start to its season. The first podcast of 2021, episode 160 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, we have nearly 10 different ways you can consume the Tech Sideline Podcast. However, you're watching or listening, we're glad you could join us as we record on Monday, January 4th. We'll have our normal crew here by the end of the podcast, but we begin with our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. To my left, we will soon be joined by our managing editor, Chris Coleman. We do have the best podcast producer in the land behind the scenes. He is Malcolm Stewart, ready to rock and roll in 2021. And I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. If you have a question for Will or Chris, it could be football, men's basketball, wrestling, any sport related. Go ahead and drop them in our YouTube chat for those watching live. And I'll be sure to read those at the end of the show. Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by Anytime Fitness. Campus Emporium, and Southeast Regional Training Center. Will, it's great to have our friends at Anytime Fitness, a part of the Tech Sideline family in 2021. Yes, the organization that transformed Chris Coleman. <laughs> now, we're, we're, we're pretty excited to have Anytime uh, as a sponsor. They'll be on board with us for a few months. Um, I've been going to Anytime since 2016. Um, uh, not lately, not since COVID started. So, so my, my journey is long and twisted kind of like a lot of people's uh so so here's what we're going to do all right first of all let's do the promo and then i'll tell you what's going to happen this year 2021 all right so anytime fitness what they're promoting right now is you can get the first month for a dollar now through january 11th and this is anytime fitness in blacksburg that's the location that we're promoting but um of course if you're an anytime fitness member you can go to an anytime anywhere in the country anywhere in the world so if you're listening to this from Richmond, you're listening to it from Charlottesville, Roanoke, you know, even like the anytime that I typically go to is the one over in Fairlawn, over near Radford. But I will be going to the one here in um, in Blacksburg, and we'll get to that in a second. So now through January 11th, sign up for a dollar for the first month. And what they want to promote is their, you know, um, to, to me, anytime's a bit of a Cadillac of a gym. You can go to your local rec center for free. 
And boy, do I have a story about that I'll tell here in a second. You can go to other chains for $10 a month. But anytime is a place where it's clean, they keep their equipment updated, they have personal trainers there. You know, if you want to start that, that's something Chris does. You know, Chris does the whole deal. It's unbelievable. Chris Coleman, workout fiend. I mean, he's always working out. Yeah, I always say that people don't change, but he got to be like 35 years old and he just decided to, to be the gym guy. But, you know, the other thing, the other thing I like about anytime is if you're, if you're worried about, you know, you don't want to be in the gym around the meatheads. It's not like that. I see people I know all the time in there, you know, and I've made friends in there. People are, are, are very friendly. So the reason, and, and some of you may have familiarity with this kind of story. The reason I decided to join anytime in 2016 was that I was going, I was going to the Radford rec center, which was built in the year 2000. So it's fairly modern. They got a nice, uh, free weight room in there. And, but some of the people that go there are gross. I'll just, I'll just be upfront about it, you know? And then I remember one morning I got up, did my get up at six thirty thing. I rolled into the Radford rec center at seven o'clock in the morning and they have a fairly decent sized free weight room, which is where I always went in to work out. I, I prefer free weights. I did at that point in time anyway. And this one particular morning I got there. Great. There was nobody there. There was a couple guys over in the corner, you know, talking to each other, working on one of these, some, some lat machine or something. I opened the door and there were two guys in there, like I said, and the entire room smelled like BO. And I said, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go to an actual gym. So I went and visit. Uh, I asked friends and they recommended any time and went and visited there and did a little bit of transformation on my body at the time, which, you know, I've since given up. <laughs> I was doing okay till COVID kicked in. So anyway, uh, they are located in the First Domain Shopping Center in Blacksburg. Call 540-951-1340. 540-951-1340. And ask for Tyler. If you're calling at off hours, Tyler might not be there. You know, he's typically there from, I think, 9 to 5 or so. Um, and I believe that is the entire promo. I feel like there's something I'm forgetting, but that's fine. I look forward to every time we do this read showing the results that can happen when you go oh, to any time finish. Okay. When I look so, to my left and Chris Coleman, who again, will be here. So with I knew I was leaving something out. So January 1st, I weighed 186 pounds, which is the most I've ever weighed. Now, ironically, last January 1st, I also weighed 186 pounds. Um, so I'm going to go down there either later today or tomorrow, and I'm going to do the whole personal training thing. Just like Chris Coleman? And you get, no. <laughs> Chris has way more energy than I've got. I don't, like like Chris, like one or two or three months into his, uh, his uh, personal training. So uh, Chris actually trains with uh, Mitchell Ledwick, Mitch, who used to be the punter for Virginia Tech. Mitch threw the famous uh, fake pun in the 2016 uh, ACC championship game. Um, so I, but I remember a couple months into Chris coming to me and go, Oh yeah, I threw up yesterday. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not working out so hard that I throw up. So I won't be doing that, but you guys are going to travel this journey with me. 186. I'm looking for 165, probably maybe 160. And man, one time when I was in college, I, I got thin one summer. I weighed 142 pounds. I can't imagine being 44 pounds lighter than I am right now. Ugh. But enough of that. Uh, anytime we appreciate any time as a sponsor and 
Y'all are going to be traveling this journey with me. So remember that. I'm starting at a 186, and we'll do the whole. They got this cool machine where they analyze your body fat and muscle mass and all that stuff. So um, we'll be walking this journey for the next few months. It is our first podcast since right before Christmas. It's been about two and a half weeks. It's our first podcast of the new year. So hope your holiday season was terrific. Hope it was a terrific new year. We're excited for what 2021 holds for us here at Tech Sideline and the Tech Sideline podcast. On today's show, we're going to talk about 24th ranked men's basketball off to an 8-1 and one start. As we record on Monday morning, the new AP poll should come out later on Monday, so we expect the Hokies to be ranked higher than 24th. They're off to a terrific start. I'll get Will's thoughts on the job that Mike Young has done. We'll talk about Keve Aluma and other key players that have been a, a big part of the start for men's basketball. We'll also talk a little bit about 8th ranked Virginia Tech wrestling. They open up their season on Saturday, dominating win over Campbell. But we begin today talking about Virginia Tech football. And let's start off on a positive note real quick, because I want to talk about the roster here in a moment, Will. But there are a lot of former Virginia Tech football players who are going to be playing in the NFL playoffs coming up next week. And I want to read them off real quick. Kendall Fuller, Logan Thomas, Greg Stroman. Now, wait a minute, read the teams too for guys. All for the Washington football team. Okay. Wyatt Teller for the Cleveland Browns. They're back in the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. Can I interrupt and just say, how is it that the Dolphins have one of their best teams in like 20 years? They're not in the playoffs, and the Cleveland Browns are. The Browns won 11 games, though. 11 and 5. Eh, what did the Dolphins win? 10, 10 and 6. Yep, they wound up one short. Um, Kyle Fuller and the Bears snuck in as the seventh seed in the NFC. Dwayne Brown and the Seahawks. Tremaine uh, Edmonds and the Bills. And then Terrell Edmonds and the Steelers. So there are a lot of and, – and the one I do want to point out real quick is Logan Thomas because he caught a touchdown in the game that Washington had to win last night to win the NFC East, and uh, he had a terrific year. Well, I think he was snubbed of a Pro Bowl. That's how good Logan Thomas really? was this year. So do you have his stats in front of you? I, I don't. I can pull it up. I do know. I mean, there was one game this year he caught 13 passes wow. in a single game. So. Um, so did did they uh, did they get the story right when they talk about him in college? Did they say that he went to college as a tight end and got converted to a quarterback? You know, I was watching Sunday Night Football's broadcast and they talked about how he was a quarterback drafted in the fourth round from Virginia Tech, converted mm -hmm. to a tight end. They did not mention how he came in as a tight end at Virginia Tech. Yeah, I, I, and I'm not honestly. I've actually forgotten the story over the years. Um, I think he maybe thought he was a tight end, and I know the recruiting services thought he was a tight end. Um, and but but I think when he arrived here at Virginia Tech, their intent the whole time was for him to be a quarterback here. And if I remember correctly, I heard him talk once, and he said he wasn't too sure. But this was after the uh, his really good year was 2011 at quarterback, and um, he so I heard him speak after the 2011 season. He said, "Yeah, I think this is working out okay." And another guy, similar story that I'm fascinated by is Jimmy Graham, mm -hmm. who is still playing, right? He is. Um, I mean, I watched that guy play basketball for Miami for four years. And then he decides on a lark, hey, let's play football too. And boom, now he's been a tight end in the NFL for years and years. So I think stories like that are really cool. Yeah, Logan Thomas this year for the Washington football team, 110, uh, let's see, uh, excuse me, 72 receptions, 670 yards, um, and six touchdowns. Wow. So put together, and he's kind of been a backup journeyman tight end up until this year. He's kind of established himself as a – number one threat so anyways that's awesome that's really cool to see and we'll keep everybody updated on what former Hokies are making a run towards a Super Bowl 
here in 2021. So as a Dolphins fan, you know, Miami was good in my youth, and then they were good as long as Dan Marino was there. But the curse of the Dolphins became the Buffalo Bills, that, that era where the Bills went to four Super Bowls. And, and it always bothered me that the bulk of Bruce Smith's career was spent at, a, at an NFL team that I couldn't stand. Mm. So, I, I mean, I couldn't – I mean, everybody rooted for Bruce, but couldn't really root for him because the better Bruce and the Bills did, you know, it meant the Dolphins weren't going anywhere. And now we're right back there again. They had to win yesterday. They had to beat the Bills to make the playoffs. After, you know, 20 years of New England Patriots purgatory, you know, for the NFL. for they the gave AFCs, up 50 points. You know, and, and so they go out there and they get smoked by the Bills. And, of course, the Bills have a hokey playing for them, you know. And yep. I don't know. History's repeating itself. I'm not digging it. So that's the good news. I want to start off talking about Virginia Tech football on a high note. And there are some positives to take away from what I'm going to transition into next. And we're going to spend some time taking a look at this Virginia Tech football roster because since the last time that we've done a podcast, there has been some news of players that have entered into the NFL draft have entered the transfer portal. There have been some players that have announced they are staying at Virginia Tech. And there have been a couple of players who went into the transfer portal from other schools and have wound up at Virginia Tech. Let's start with those players, though, who are leaving the program. And we have talked about some of these players on previous podcasts. But I'm going to go ahead and go through the players that have entered their names into the NFL draft or have put their names into the transfer portal. Uh, let's start. And these are some of the notables, by the way. But... NFL Draft, Khalil Herbert, Christian Derisaw, Divine Diablo, Gerard Hewitt, Rayshard Ashby, and Justice Reed have all entered their names uh, into the 2021 NFL Draft process. Hendon Hooker, offensive lineman TJ Jackson, wide receiver Daryl Simmons have entered the transfer portal. Offensive lineman Doug Nestor entered the portal, has transferred to West Virginia. Offensive lineman Brian Hudson has transferred to a fellow ACC school in Louisville. And then quarterback Quincy Patterson has committed to North Dakota State. So those are all the names of players that are either already committed to the NFL draft, are in the portal, or who had entered the portal and have committed to new teams. A lot of names there, Will. But is there a name that surprised you that either declared for the draft or entered the transfer portal? I don't think there are any surprises there. You know, I'm not surprised by Quincy Patterson going into the transfer portal. Uh, people have been talking about that for about a year. And, you know, quarterback, uh, say what you want about the transfer portal. Quarterback is is one of those situations where you're, you're just, you're going to get a lot of activity there, you know, no matter who you are, because only one guy gets to play, you know. And um, you and I know that it doesn't always work out that way. Like, like how many guys play quarterback for Virginia Tech this year, too? You know, because uh, Burmeister gets hurt or is ineffective, they bring in Hendon Hooker, Hendon gets hurt or whatever. So there, there's that thing of back in the day, you take a guy like Dave Meyer. Dave Meyer spent his entire career here as a backup quarterback. Dave would be in the transfer portal pretty early these days, you know, because guys just don't uh, – um, I don't want to sound critical because I, I understand the mindset – they, they don't – when you're young, you don't know if I stay here, am I – like if I stay here, is this guy who's in front of me never going to get hurt, never going to transfer, I'm never going to get to play? You don't know, you know. So guys are – once once the pecking order gets established when they're freshmen or sophomores, they're like, you know what, this is not happening for me here. Like take a guy like Quincy Patterson. Now, 
I don't know that I've seen, I have not seen an article with Quincy saying why he went into the, into the portal. I just know that he's been here for a few years and every time they bring him in, unless they have to try to win the football game, like they, they kind of gave him the whole, um, they gave him the whole suite in the Notre Dame game in, in 2019. They let him throw the ball. They, they let him run the ball. For the most part, when Quincy Patterson comes in, he's just running the football. You know, now in the NC State game, they let him throw it some also. But it just he just seemed to be stuck in that pattern where when they did bring him in, they were just, you know, letting letting him run the football or hand it off or whatever. So I, I get that he wants to go somewhere and um, try to develop and get some playing time, you know. I just um, – I don't know what would have happened if he had stayed here. Um, so what, what year is Quincy? Was it, was this his redshirt sophomore season? I believe it was redshirt sophomore. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got, you know, he's got everybody this year has an extra year of eligibility. So Quincy actually has three more years to play and, you know, I get it. Um, but even that was not a surprise. You know, two names, actually, let's go to the ones that have declared for the NFL draft. Nobody's surprised by Cleel Herbert, the year that he had. Right. Christian Darisol is a projected first-round pick. Right. Divine Diablo had a standout year. Justice Reed's been in college, it feels like, for the last <laughs> 10 years. years. Totally understand that. And Gerard Hewitt and Rayshard Ashby have had great moments in their careers. Yeah. They're seniors. Were you surprised that they entered the NFL draft and did not come back for another year? No. Um I actually, so uh, I don't remember. I think it was the Miami game. Um, I I parked in lot two. That's where media was parking this year. And there was a really sweet uh, Dodge Ram pickup truck, brand new. You know, and there were a couple guys sitting in And I walked up to him and said, man, I like that truck. So we got to talking. Turns out it was Gerard Hewitt's dad and uh, brother. So, um, and, and to this day, I, re, I, I don't, his, I think his dad's name is Steve. And for some reason I did not get Steve's cell phone number. That's not very good journalistic instincts. <laughs> um, but I just, they told me at that time that he was, he was wrestling with it, that the coaching staff really wanted him to come back, but he wasn't sure, you know? Um, and Gerard is a guy that has worked very, very hard his entire time here. Um, and I guess he feels it's just time to move on. Now, you know, if Gerard Hewitt were to make an NFL roster, that would be that'd be a big surprise. He's 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 a he's a very he's a guy with a high motor who works very hard, but he is he doesn't have an NFL body. He is not six two six well six two six three three twenty five. You know, NFL defensive tackles, super athletic, right. all that stuff. Um, you know, I wish him luck. He doesn't strike me as an NFL guy. So I think this is more about just wanting to get off the treadmill and not do the grind anymore. I want to talk about Rayshard Ashby for a second. Somebody who's from Richmond, a graduate of L.C. Bird High School, had a terrific year, I guess now two seasons ago, Bud Foster's final season. He came yeah. in to this uh, 2020 season. He was all preseason ACC and just didn't quite follow up uh, like he did two years ago this season for Virginia Tech. What kind of legacy does he leave? When you think about Rayshard Ashby, his time at Virginia Tech, what comes to mind? That That's an interesting question. Um, I feel like ever since I'm, – I'm, I'm sitting here thinking there there were some middle linebackers, some Mike linebackers under Bud Foster that, that I feel that everyone else is always compared to. Um, and for me, those guys are George Del Rico, 
Georgia Del Rico set the tone. When the defense changed in 1993, Del Rico, I believe he started in 93. I know he started in 94 and 95. I'm not sure he would play at this level today because he wasn't a physical specimen, but he was just a tremendous football player. Then you had, uh, I believe it was Michael Hawks, played the mic position during the, you know, the, like the 96 to 99 years. Um, and then, of course, Vince Hall. Vince Hall is the one who set the standard at the position. And so I, so I feel like everybody to come after those guys, I'm always in my mind comparing uh, them to uh, George Del Rico and Vince Hall. And everybody comes up short because I think, just, I think Vince, Vince never had a shot at the NFL. But that tandem of him with Xavier Adibi was just, if you, if you want two college linebackers, those are your guys, particularly in Bud Foster's system. Um, so I, I think Rayshard will be remembered as a guy who was a solid, consistent performer at a time when so much was changing around him. So many guys, the, the defense was so young, uh, particularly I think it was 2018 where they got blown out a few times. Um, but he he was a steadying influence, and he was a guy they could count on. I do, I also don't think he's a guy who has a shot at the NFL. Um, it's a, it's disappointing that he didn't have a better year in twenty twenty. Um, you know, and 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 that's that's old tired ground. We've covered it. I I think that uh, COVID did him wrong, and he came back not not in good shape. It was it was interesting. The other day I watched. I, I was messing around on my DVR and I noticed the the 2018 season opener against Florida State and the tech defense had a really really good game and I remember I watched one play in particular where um, Florida State ran to the edge and um, Khalil Ladler sniffed it out and cut it off and uh, Ashby broke through the line and was pursuing the running back I don't remember who the running back was but the guy stopped and Ashby stopped right with him Mm and turned on a dime and made the tackle. And I was struck by that because we haven't seen him make a play like that in a while, you know, yeah. just the, the, the ability to change direction. Um, and the other thing is with the new defensive scheme that I, I remember, and I, and I think this actually came up in conversation with Gerard Hewitt's dad and brother, um, and they said that, that it just – the drop that was required for the, for the Mike linebacker in um, – in Justin Hamilton's scheme is not something that uh, Rayshard was was comfortable with and was able to execute well. So it's a shame that he didn't have a better year, but uh, I, I think he'll be remembered. When you talk about great Mike linebackers in Virginia Tech history, I don't know that his name is going to come up. Everybody will still go to Vince Hall. But he was, like I said, a stabilizing force uh, when, when Virginia Tech football really needed it. Uh, for those uh, wanting us to discuss Hendon Hooker, if you go back to our previous podcast, uh, we talked about Hendon Hooker because it came up actually as we were live and we talked about it for 20 to 25 minutes. Yeah. So if you want to get uh, Chris and Will's thoughts, we invite you to go back to episode 159 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Great discussion on that. Let's talk about some players that are staying in Blacksburg, though, Will, because Justin Fuente and company got a couple of, of key players to stick around for next season and let's start with James Mitchell the tight end who as Andy Bitter pointed out is 16.73 yards per catch was number one in the ACC amongst tight ends this past year he is staying in Blacksburg he's a guy that you can line up in the slot we've seen him take some jet sweeps he blocks well he's a friendly target for quarterbacks in the red zone 
Just how important was it for Virginia Tech to keep a guy like Mitchell in Blacksburg for another season? I think that's really huge. Um, you know, uh, uh, Gallo and Dulius, and and I'm not sure who else they've got in the pipeline. We can go to the roster page and look at it. Um, you know, James Mitchell is a better receiver than those guys. And I felt like if he had left, that's what they would have been missing at the tight end position. And if you had asked me prior to him making that decision, like if you had asked me the week before the UVA game, what do you think James Mitchell's going to do? I said, well, I think he's going to go pro. Um, I know he had a little issue with his knee this year. I don't know how serious it was. Um, but he performed well anyway. And he's a good blocker, good receiver. So you ask yourself the question, how can he improve his draft stock by coming back another year? I'm not entirely sure how. Um, it sounds like he got some feedback that, you know, there were things he needed to do. Um, the one thing I'd like to see James Mitchell do, and we've talked about this, uh, we've talked about buy-in to strength and conditioning about other players. James is, when, when they list how, like, do you have him, do you have, do you have his uh, height and weight listed there? When they talk about how much he weighs, I'm always surprised by that he doesn't look like he weighs that much. So what I'd like to see from him in the coming year is um, five or ten more pounds and just look more cut and really start to look like an NFL body while he's still in college. But uh, I don't know. We've seen clips where, you know, he can get down the field, like you said, in the slot, outside. They've done all kinds of stuff with him. I know there are times where um, – I can't evaluate James Mitchell as a blocker, the whole body of work. But I know there are times where I've seen him block well. So I, I think it's an interesting decision. And I wonder if you had asked me, I'd have said, nah, he's going to go pro. 6'3", 242. How about 250 or 255? You know, with, with definition in the arms. Um, so that, that's, that's, the, that's the thing I would lay down for him. Is he's, he's got all the tools in the toolbox. Just work on the body and continue to develop the craft. But I think that one's more surprising than, uh, than one that we talked about earlier, choosing to uh, not stay. So I feel like the last couple of years, when we talk about depth at certain positions for Virginia Tech football, the, the two position groups we talk about were wide receiver and linebacker. And now you go into 2021, Will, and I feel like the unit that might have the most depth is the tight end room. For Virginia Tech, you can make the argument for offensive line. Because nothing's changing, right? Correct. You've got Dulius, you've got Gallo, and you've got Mitchell all returning. And I think you can make the case that that's the best tight end group of any school in the ACC returning for next year. Yeah, and so, um, first of all, there's a difference between bodies and depth. I feel like Virginia Tech had a ton of bodies at wide receiver, but just just not not depth you know there's been a lot of churn at the wide receiver position i felt like uh was at the end of the 2019 season where grimsley phil patterson you, you can probably remember other names i'm forgetting right now those are the two two big ones <clears throat> those are the, put their oh, name oh the hazelton oh yeah huh. you know um that group had depth until it got gutted by those three guys choosing to transfer out I think this year they have bodies, but I don't think they really had depth. They just they wouldn't throw the ball to Changa Hodges and Evan Ferris. They wouldn't throw it to him, you know. So, um, so yes, you look at tight ends. You got James Mitchell, Nick Gallo, Drake Dulius. And Dulius was serviceable at times. I I really do think those are three very uh, capable tight ends. You know, do gosh, Evan Dulius is a guy. You talk about guys that it, you wouldn't have been surprised if they transferred out. 
you know, he this was his redshirt junior year, so this is fourth season, right? 6'5", 240, redshirt junior from Charlotte, North Carolina. And he has not been a part of the offense until basically this year. Um, and, and so that's a guy that's been very patient and has put the time in and put the work in. And somebody answered the phone. <laughs> um, so I think it's great. You know, I think it's great that he's coming back and he, he can come back as a redshirt junior next year and have two more years if he wants them. So that would be awesome if this is his time. Then you got Wilfred Panay, which I think, you know, I, I, I could ask Chris about this. I think they see Panay as a tight end. That's where we've got him listed on our roster projection. And he's, he's a big, rangy guy, a good athlete. And then, of course, you got Jack Hollyfield, January enrollee, and Jared Gibble, January enrollee. So they're going to have a lot of bodies and I think decent depth. Will, you ready to put your hands together? For what? Ladies and gentlemen. For the arrival of Chris Coleman. Chris Coleman. <laughs> His first podcast of 2021. He's back on the set. So, have you already talked about wrestling? No, we have not. You should have talked about wrestling first when I wasn't here because I know nothing about that. <laughs> well, we can talk about wrestling after the break, so you can just you can. CC, happy New Year, sir. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. How are you? Good, good. We're uh, in the middle. Uh, for those that are just joining us, episode 160 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. We've got the whole crew here now. Our first show of 2021. Evan Hughes, Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, and Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. We've been talking about the changes in the Virginia Tech uh, football roster here over the last couple of weeks. We talked about those that have put their names into the uh, transfer portal, those that have declared for the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. And we were just discussing how arguably the, the, the position group with the most depth heading into next year could be the tight ends with James Mitchell, Drake Dulius, and Nick, Nick Gallo. Gallo. Yeah, and, and Dulius played a little more than people expected this year and, pr- and probably in generally played better than, than people would have expected. So yeah. Virginia Tech will have three experienced tight ends on the, on the roster next year. Uh, let's go ahead and get this word out of the way early. Should be able to redshirt Jack Holyfield and, uh, and Jared Gibble without mm-hmm. much of an issue, I would think. You know, real, real quick. Panay, uh, I've – Somebody said on the board, boards the other day, Wilfred Panay is a defensive end. Oh, yeah? Um, I don't know that for a fact. Tech hasn't announced it. But uh, if so, I like that move because I like this film better as a defensive end. Did you? Really explosive coming off the edge. Well, with Mitchell staying, maybe that makes them able to to put Panay over a defensive end. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I'm sure there are some hot debates about how to decide that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just incredible that you've walked in and within 60 seconds the word redshirt has come out of your mouth. So off to a great start. Real quick, tell our listeners and viewers, what's the background on your Twitter? I saw this last night. Oh, gosh. Uh, somebody on our boards, I forget who, would would occasionally throw it in the, in the threads when we were talking about redshirting. And, uh, Looks like Alec Baldwin. Yeah, I don't know what movie In front of a from. chalkboard, you, and it says always redshirt. It says always be... Red shirting. And, and I don't know what the third word was in the movie. But, what what but movie is that? I don't know. Whoever did the graphic for you got rid of the third word and yeah, put it in and red, red shirting. Yeah. Right, right. So I don't know what movie that's from, to be honest with you. I just grabbed it off our board. There you go. Yeah. If anyone needs a good laugh, at Chris Coleman TSL, go check out his background. Chris always loves to try in red shirt. Okay, let's discuss the other player who's announced he is staying at Virginia Tech, and that's defensive end Emmanuel Belmar Jr. Um, Chris, somebody who has experience – Defensive line took strides this past season. How do you see Belmar fitting into the scheme next year? Well, right now I would project him to start. Um, he was uh, having a good season before he got hurt. And uh, I believe he was. I, I remember he was playing surprisingly well. But he was like the second highest graded defender when he got hurt. I, I, I don't know 
I don't know where he ended up on, on that list. He was becoming more of a playmaker. Yeah, and, and making fewer mistakes. So, so, yeah, he was having a good good year. So I, I would anticipate I would anticipate him starting. Uh, I think – I don't know if he's ever played left defensive end before. Um, obviously, he's played on – he's been starting on, on, on right defensive end. Um, so, I mean, somebody's going to have to play left. Uh, which uh, so, so the candidates are Belmar – Amari Barno, Taiwan Garbett. Mm-hmm. And, Gar- and, Garbett has played on the left. Yeah, and, yep. and, and maybe Jalen Griffin. Um, well, Barno's starting, right? Uh, you would, yeah, uh, you would think so. Right, right, right. Um, so it's going to come down to uh, where, where, where does Barno feel the most comfortable is what yeah. it's going to come down to. Maybe, I want him to feel then, comfortable in the weight room. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Harping on that you know, point. Griffin has played both sides. Um I would have to go back and look and see if Barno played both sides at any point this past season. But generally speaking, I think he was on the right. All right, so we've talked about those that are leaving the program. Those are two names that are important for Virginia Tech that are staying, and James Mitchell and Emmanuel Belmar. And then the Hokies have been somewhat active in the transfer portal themselves in terms of bringing in players. Uh, Virginia Tech announced that they've uh, – or Tay, uh, Tay Daly – has announced that he is transferring into Virginia Tech, a safety from Vanderbilt. He was the Commodores' third-leading tackler in 2019, entered the portal in September, someone who's made 17 career starts. He'll be a senior in the fall. Will with Divine Diablo entering the NFL draft, and while we don't know what Devin Taylor's future necessarily holds, how important was it for Virginia Tech and Justin Hamilton to go out and get an experienced safety that could come in and play right away? Well, you know, clearly important, and and who knows, they may not be done. You know, um, Chris and I talked about daily, and uh, he opted out before the season started, right? Yep. So I'm not sure he had a choice but to transfer away from Vanderbilt because if you opted out the beginning of the season and your teammates went through all of that, the swab up the nose three times a week and and playing in front of empty stadiums, how do you come back and say, hey, guys. Hey, guys, I hope you guys had fun. Uh, I, you know, I, I had a good time not going through everything that you went through. Right. Uh, so, you know, and I got to, I got my extra year too, right? Yeah. So, so, so how, how, what is, what is Daly's size? I don't have it in front of me. He's about six foot, 200 thereabouts. Okay. So, so he's, he's, he's no, he's no divine Diablo. No, he, he has uh, played corner safety, strong safety, free safety. Pretty much everything in the secondary of Vanderbilt, um, right? So, so at that size, you know, who knows? Um, he had a really good sophomore season at Vanderbilt. I mean, really, really good. Uh, did not have a good junior season. I don't know what happened. He played dropped off big time. Hmm. Um, I don't know if they had a coordinator if he was change. Hurt or... uh, you know, I know just just looking at his stuff on Pro Football Focus. You know, it was like. He played different positions, different games would be his primary position, and just like de- de- depending on where he's needed on a week-to-week basis. So hopefully, Tech can get him in here and decide on a position early and and, and stick to that position, which I would guess would be. Uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah. All we know about Devin Taylor is that he did not participate in the senior day ceremonies. Um, do you remember? He got invited to the Shrine Bowl. As if they're actually going to have a Shrine Bowl, right? Right. Uh, I, I thought I'm pretty sure he's coming back. Yeah, and, and Devin Taylor is somebody who has played a little bit of corner, played a little bit of safety as well. Correct? Yeah. Uh, Taylor is not. To me, Taylor's a replaceable player because he's not a good tackler. 
Mm -hmm. No, maybe if maybe in a, in a year where where they actually get to practice, where they actually get to practice, and and it, so many guys out with COVID this past season. You know, if you're a coach, you don't want to lose even more guys to injuries, right? So one of the first things you cut is contact drills. So believe it or not, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech couldn't tackle this past year, right? They were, right that was right. a bad tackling team. Well, guess what? It was the sixth best tackling team in the ACC. In the 15-team ACC. Well, yeah. although Notre Dame would not have been included in that, the EFS stats. Right. Right. That's, right. that's right. So, so six four, out of 14. 14 so top half. So nobody could tackle very well this year. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to judge him too bad. But he just he just didn't look like he had – he didn't look aggressive enough to, for me for, for a safety. So I, no. I'm not saying he's not replaceable either. Yeah. I, I, you just you, you need to need some competition in there, yeah. man. I, I swear, I, I go into this off season and I tell everybody, you know, the depth chart is a clean slate. The spring depth, the initial spring depth chart will be set by who works the hardest and the off season strength and conditioning. And that includes the weight room. That, yeah. Yes, specifically the weight room. That's pretty much what all the off season is is the weight room um so you go to ben hilgert and you ask who worked the hardest in the weight room and he tells you and that's your depth chart when spring practice rolls out right so that's how you set that i am not going to talk about frank beamer and mike gentry i'm not going to talk about frank <laughs> beamer i'm not going to do that so the Hokies have added two players from the transfer portal again that's tate daly safety from uh safety from vanderbilt again the third leading tackler in 2019 for the commodores the other big addition for virginia tech out of the transfer portal Six foot one, three hundred five pound offensive lineman Johnny Jordan will be in Blacksburg in the fall. The former Maryland Terrapin started seventeen games with the Terps. All Big Ten honorable mention as a center, someone who's had over twelve hundred snaps in his career. And as Chris pointed out in his article, Pro Football Focus rated him as the third highest center in the Big Ten this past year. So Chris, Doug Nestor, Brian Hudson have left. Christian Darisol is going to likely be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. Where do you see Johnny Jordan plugging himself into this offensive line? He next most year? likely starts at center. Uh, he's a really, really technically sound player, but he's also the smallest offensive lineman. And generally, your smallest offensive lineman or best best fit at center because they, they, you generally don't some, don't have somebody lined up directly over top of them. You know, unless they're playing like an old school. You know, three old school front three defense. four, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think, uh, I think he's at center. Brock Hoffman moves to right guard, and Hoffman started at right guard, I believe, when he was a sophomore at Coastal Carolina, uh, or, or maybe when he, when he was a freshman. But I don't know. But he started a whole year at the at, at there before. So those are your the the question mark was at right guard, and I think it's going to be filled by Brock Hoffman. But the recruiting of Johnny Jordan at center will allow Brock Hoffman to slide over. And I'm actually kind of excited about that move for Brock Hoffman. You know, he doesn't at right guard. He doesn't have to worry about snapping the ball. He doesn't have to worry about setting protections and all this and all that. He can just focus. Yeah. On what, what can you tell us about his grades? Because uh, you know, people. You know, he he had some key penalties, and people started ragging on him. And he, he was, and my my thing is. That guy, the attitude he brought to the offensive line to me is, is is very important. It, it is, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, but how did he grade out? He was, I think, number six in the ACC okay. for centers. Johnny Jordan was the number three center in the Big Ten. Yeah, four games, limited well, schedule. Yeah, yeah. Maryland yeah, that's played. That's true. Uh, so but it was all that. quality opposition. Those grades were not accumulated. Well, Penn State, you know, he did well against them, yeah. right? Uh, granted, everybody did well against Penn State the first half. <laughs> there for the first five games, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. Uh, 
Yeah, so I, I think Tech will be fine there. No, don't get me wrong. I, I would, I would. Doug, Doug Nuster will always bother me. Yeah, this was a guy who was on the on the fast track to be in an NFL offensive lineman, uh, starting, and he, and he walks away from that situation. Yeah, like, what if he goes to West Virginia and and. I say this as a what if because I don't think this will be the case. I think he will be developed well. What if he's not? What if he just left a situation where he was being developed very well and he's not as developed as well at his next spot and it costs him money in the future? Yeah. Uh, I don't think that'll be the case, but it's always possible. So I, that one's always going to bother me because you, you're going to see his name on draft day and, he, and you're going to see him – on Monday Night Football, when all the when all the players say their name and then the college they're from, he's going to say Doug Nestor, West Virginia. Well, in the same way that watching Makai Becton develop at Louisville and and well, except know. Makai Becton never played at Virginia. Well, I know, and that's the difference, but, you know. Yeah. Um, but he did graduate from uh, Lauren Johnson's high school, he right? Did. Yeah, yeah, Highland Springs. Yeah, yeah. and <clears throat> Becton's one of those guys. To be quite honest with you, like it was easy to miss on Becton. You just don't – I was talking to a former Virginia Tech offensive lineman about this, and Becton in high school was just bigger than everybody. I and, covered him in high school. I mean, yeah. you can't tell if if, if that guy's going to be any good when he gets to college or not. I, I, the, I was, the defensive ends he was blocking were like 190 pounds. Yeah. I mean, yeah. How <laughs> he, can, he played how my can, high school. You're not wrong. So right. defensive ends weigh four <laughs> pounds more than I do right now. Uh, right. <laughs> You know, he's by the way, Beckton did as a New York Jet. He was one of the lone bright spots of the year for the Jets as a first round pick. Wow. So, um, but anyways, back to the point that Johnny Jordan is someone who's going to be able to come in and help Virginia Tech with three starting offensive linemen departing uh, in this offseason. So, um, again, we just spent about 45 minutes going through all wow, of the really? news of players that have entered the portal, have entered the NFL draft, players that are staying, and players that Virginia Tech has added. One sport down and two left to go. We're going to talk about men's basketball, an 8-1 and one start for Mike Young's squad in year number two, an eighth-ranked Virginia Tech wrestling with a big start to their season against Campbell. We're off and running our first podcast of the new year. We'll step aside for a break. When we come back, we transition from the gridiron to the hardwood on episode 160 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Welcome back into episode 160 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, presented by Anytime Fitness, Campus Emporium, and the Southeast Regional Training Center. Great to have you back with us, Evan Hughes, alongside of Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. Don't forget, if you have a question for Will or Chris, we'll get to them at the end of the show. It could be football, men's basketball, wrestling, or movie-related, as a lot of you have been chiming in with movies in the comments section today. Really? Yes, uh, because we got a title on the movie of Alec Baldwin. Oh, thank you. Uh, which was um, Always Be Closing. Okay. Uh, Glenn Gary Ross, famous line is Always Be Closing. So there, yeah, I've, I've heard go. that line. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Uh, Eric Fisher says, anyone else not surprised Evan hadn't seen it? <laughs> I've never uh, seen it either. Eric goes, yeah, but I knew ha Evan hadn't seen it. I'm surprised at Chris, disappointed in Will. So there's been a lot of talk about movies early on. But we've got so, a lot more to get so through. So can we talk about Wonder Woman 84? Man, that, I thought that was bad. I just did not see it. So I, I'm, I'm interested in people's feedback in the comments there. Did, did you like that movie? Because I did not like that movie. Um, 
Spoiler alert, I won't get into it. Let's move on. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Virginia Tech men's basketball because, again, we're recording on Monday morning, January 4th. By the time you might be listening or watching to this Monday night, Tuesday morning, I believe the ranking is going to be higher, but the 24th-ranked Virginia Tech men's basketball team, an 8-1 and start, had their game against Virginia on January 2nd postponed due to COVID-19 in the Virginia program, but a really good start in the 2020 part of the season for Virginia Tech. So one comment about the about the COVID thing, it, it's been my perception watching that, you know, in football, <clears throat> when you had guys test positive or get caught by contact tracing, you could still kind of put it together and play a game. It, it appears to me like in, in the case of UVA, Evan, wasn't it a case of COVID like on a staffer? I be, mm-hmm. I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that is what the wording like, like was. Like, if you get one case, a player or a staffer, it just it just you don't even play the game. So it's not like football. It's having a much more profound effect, I think. It's, what I'm it's having a much more profound effect. I assume it's that's because the games are indoors and the players are right up in each other's faces for the entire game, right? Yeah. Football, you're in each other's face for like five seconds and then you walk back to the huddle and you're outdoors. Right, and the other thing that might be feeding their perception is the fact that there are so many more basketball games. Right, and I'm getting the emails all the time from the ACC. Oh, this game's been postponed. This game's been postponed. Here's some schedule changes, and I get the I get the emails for men's basketball and women's basketball. So it just seems like a lot. All right, just wait until I don't think most people have thought about this, and maybe I'll end up being wrong. Wait till the NCAA tournament and teams have to forfeit NCAA tournament games, because. If, if you have a COVID problem, the first round of the NCAA tournament, because the NCAA tournament, it's all, all being held in the same city. You can't afford to wait seven to ten days for your program to restart. And, and they haven't to said go to the, a word to, right. about like... So, no, it's going to be forfeits. There's going to be teams to get to the Elite Eight because the, because the Sweet 16 opponent forfeited, had to hmm. forfeit. Because right, we'll you see. can't wait a week to play that game. Right. Otherwise, I mean, this, it would take the NCAA tournament would still be going on in like June. Right. If if you if you if you postpone the whole tournament because certain yeah. teams have to have to miss their games, no, it's going to have to be forfeits, and it might be the same thing at the ACC tournament. I mean, so don't take this season too seriously. <laughs> well, with that, let's uh, let's take it one day at a time, like a lot of programs around the country have been, and let's 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 recap. Eight and one for Virginia Tech in the 2020 part of their season. <clears throat> Wins over Radford, number three Villanova, South Florida, VMI, number 24 at the time Clemson, Coppin State, Longwood, and Miami. Their lone loss was the ACC Big Ten Challenge, 20 point home loss to Penn State. Professor Stewart, Professor Coleman, get your grade books out. What grade would you give Virginia Tech? in the 2020 part of the season thus far. Yeah, uh, I would, a, on the whole, question. I would go with a B, B-plus maybe. They've been uh, wildly inconsistent. Uh, you know, the thing is, they, they were, you know, you play great for 40 minutes against Villanova. You play bad for 40 minutes against Penn State. The concerning part for me is I don't think they've played 40 minutes of basketball since the Villanova, well, since the Connecticut. They played well against USF too. Right. Um, <clears throat> but since then – you could argue that they did against Clemson, and Clemson is just a – they just make games ugly. That's just their style of play. So, you know, maybe they did against Clemson, but they certainly didn't against Miami. They certainly didn't against Longwood or who was the other – Coppin State. Coppin State. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about that. 
either they're they're starting slow or they're finishing slow. Like or in, the, in the Miami game, that they started slow and finished slow, and then they dominated the middle in between. Yes. Right, and that was a Miami team missing four stars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a. I thought highly of Miami coming into the season. I thought they had a really, really good team. But you talk about four starters from anybody's team, and they're not going to be very good. And right? they still, if that game had been another two minutes long, I, I, I know they've still got skilled talent on there. They just don't have much experience. Right. Um, Isaiah Wong is probably as good as any guard in the league, I, I would say. That guy can really fill it up. And if he had McGusty and uh, Chris Likes, sh- and likes but, man, that'd be a one dynamic backcourt. So that's got me concerned about Tech is the consistency of, of the performances. And, um, and, a, and I think it's been my perception that they've kind of struggled against a zone. You know, uh, it's weird. Villanova, I think it was Nova threw a zone at him. Or maybe it was USF. I don't remember, but I think it was Nova. Let's just say it was Nova. Nova threw a zone at him for like three straight possessions, and Tech broke it easily yeah. and scored. I think on all the possessions, got easy shots, easy jumpers, uh, but hasn't gone that that well since. In in other news, I'm getting a huge man crush on Hunter Couture. With all the charges he's taking, it's not just that, but uh, um, he he uh, he he just he looks to me to be one of Tech's more consistent players. Um, you know, I think he's sneaky good defensively. I don't know about his one-on-one ability if somebody's trying to take him to the rack. But he has very active hands. He gets in the passing lanes. His defensive anticipation is, is excellent. He, he probably averages drawing a charge a game. You know, he, he's just a, he's just a rich, just a sophomore, correct? True solid. And he'll be a sophomore again next year. Yeah, he's, he's, he's shooting 46% from three. And he's averaging 7.3 points per game. I mean, I mean, when he makes his threes, he doesn't rattle them in. By the way, he's yeah. also your backup point guard. Yeah. Not Jalen Cohn. Just because Jalen Cohn is 5'9 or 5'10 doesn't mean he's a point guard. If you've seen the last couple games, ever since uh, Jada opted out, it's been when Beattie hasn't been in the game, it's been Couture bringing the ball up the court and initiating the offense because you're wasting Jalen Cohn's shooting ability with him in that role so honestly he's brian chase uh if you're an old i don't know old school is probably not the right word or maybe it is uh chase played at tech from around 99 through 2003 so yeah yeah, about 20 years uh and he was a 510 shooting guard and everybody assumed oh he's 510 he's a point guard no he just happens to be a really really short shooting guard and that's what Jalen cohen is overreaction or not an overreaction that cartier jada is a big loss for this team with him opting out i I don't feel like we got to see him enough to be able to answer the question what we were told is that he's a guy who uh you know when it's late in the shot clock can take the ball to the rim Uh, i don't know that we saw a whole lot of that you know, and we saw it some, but but uh, I, but I think you'll start to ask yourself that question if they're if they're <coughs> struggling against a zone, or struggling just at the end of the shot clock. You you'll think to yourself, man, what God, if I wish we had Jada. Yeah. Right. Um. I see. The thing is, like, I don't think the offense itself was running as well when he was here, which is understandable. I would agree with that. It, which is understandable because he's he's never run it before, and he didn't even get a. I mean, goodness knows what kind of a preseason he got. You know, I don't I don't know anything about what teams were allowed to do and what they weren't allowed to do before before the season started. So, brand new system for him. It's almost like when you transfer as a senior into a unique offensive system. It's almost kind of like you first you have to unlearn everything you learned the previous three years, and then 
you start learning the new system. So yeah. I don't. He just didn't look comfortable running the offense to me. Now he might might have been a totally different guy in by February. You know, he might have. So it's 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 hard to say. Um, yeah, I think anybody who says, "Man, we really miss him," is just making stuff up in their mind because you just don't know. Yeah, yeah. You might. We might not. Yeah. Keve Aluma is averaging 16 points per game and nearly seven rebounds per game. That leads the team in both categories. Chris, have you been surprised at how good he's been game in and game out? Yes. Um, I thought he would be a good player for Tech. I thought he would be. I thought he'd be a good rebounder. Uh, I didn't. I didn't anticipate him being a double-digit scorer. Um, <clears throat> well, it's just it's good player development, and it's sort of like. Zach Lede. You know, Zach Lede transfers to Virginia Tech. He'd average like three points a game against or for South Never Florida. saw him. Never, never saw, saw that coming. Never saw that coming at all. He yeah. has to sit out and redshirt a year. And it's a similar comparison here. Kevy Aluma, he averaged more than three points a game against Wofford. I think he averaged six and six as a sophomore there. But then he comes here, sits out a year, redshirts, has developed. Red shirts and develops. Gosh. <laughs> Point yeah. proven. But, uh, no, I, I didn't see it coming, but but you you have to understand that in basketball, in sports in general, guys develop at different rates. I mean, just because a guy doesn't do isn't dominant his first couple of years doesn't mean mean you need to give up on him and everything like that. Yeah, I, I just think you know when you look at the team overall, I think they're I think they're going to be inconsistent this year, and people need to not get uh, carried away with you know they're they're going to get there are going to be other games like the Penn State game. Not exactly like that because Penn State. I don't know that any team's going to shoot the way Penn State shot that right. game though. You know, Holy but, moly! But that, that's yeah, one of the. Fortunately, fortunately, Tech gets to play all ACC teams from here on yeah, out. Not I any mean, more Big Ten teams. That was right? a snowball that got rolling downhill, you know. But but they they will lose games by Tech will lose games by fifteen and twenty points. It'll happen. Yeah, and look, here's the thing: like everybody's going to be, not everybody, but Gonzaga won't be, I guess. But most teams are going to be inconsistent to yeah. a certain extent this year. I mean. This is the second time UVA's had to shut down, right? Yeah. I don't know if their program shut down right now, but they. Or they've. They had, it, yeah. It might have been another program that caused them to miss a game. Um. Well, no. They, no you're they, right. they, they might, shut. You're they right. shut their own program down. Back they missed in the Michigan State game. They missed because two, of it. They missed that game. They had to postpone the Wake Forest game. Uh, Wake Forest at one point was two and zero, oh, and everybody else had played like six games because all of Wake's opponents kept shutting down their programs. It was bad luck. Right. Um. But yeah, so Virginia, I think Virginia went like three weeks without playing a game. And then they came back and, and played William and Mary and Gonzaga and Notre Dame. And they just feel like they're maybe getting their groove back and boom, they miss another game. Right. So like Virginia this year is probably going to be capped because they just haven't been able to do as much as everybody else in, in the last month. Right. And goodness knows. Maybe the, they could get shut down again. Who knows? We all could get shut down. Yeah. Virginia, Virginia Tech is supposed to play Louisville tomorrow night, right? Uh, Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Uh, I assume the game's going to happen, but I don't know, right? Like, what if it doesn't? What if Tech ends up missing two or three games in a row? And then you you lose your rhythm, and then you come back and start playing again, and bam, here's Duke. Hunter Couture never loses his room. Yeah. <laughs> hey, one player I do want to bring up quickly. We talk about Kevin Aluma, but somebody against Miami, a positive in that seesaw affair that came down to a final shot, a three that rattled Justin in and Mutz. out. Justin Mutz. You hit the nail on the head. He had a season-high 15 points in the win over Miami, and 
When I look at this team, Will, I see a, a lot of depth. You talked about the difference between yeah. bodies and depth early, and I see a lot of depth. Yeah. But when I, I if you had to ask me who I think an X factor is that elevates Virginia Tech's ceiling, to me, it's Justin Mutz. If he can play Will, Will, I feel like he can elevate this team to even greater heights. If, what did he wind up shooting in that game? Don't know what he had shooting. Let he me made look three three-pointers. Because he started out like two of seven. Um, mm. He was very aggressive the whole game, but at first, you know, he he made it. He hit a three early. He was five of eleven, three of five from the deep. Right, and I, I think he made three of his last four, all three of his his last three shots. So I think at one point he was two of seven. That's a number that sticks in my mind, which may or may not be right. He started out by making a three, and I think that made him decide, oh, I'm just going to try to do it all, you know. And 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 it wound up being a good game statistically. But I remember at one point thinking. You know, whoa, settle down there, man. <laughs> you know, but um, if he can bottle what he did, I think in the last like twenty-five minutes of the game, and Chris isn't he a guy that he he's a guy that can play inside out. He's not specifically inside or specifically outside. Oh, he was not expected to be a three-point threat at all. And yeah, he made two. He was two of nineteen his whole career before coming to Tech. But he's also, if I recall correctly, driving into the lane and taking the ball to the rim, and and you know, it's. Uh, I, I think X Factor is the best way to describe it. Is that fair? Yeah, I'd say he's a guy who's developed steadily through his whole <laughs> career, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. Is he the one who's on the third team? Correct. Third team. Started at high point, went to Delaware, and now it's So he's, he's gone low major, mid major, high major. Yeah. So he's he's made three steps up during the course of his career. Because um, if Aluma's playing well, Chris, down low, and then you throw Mutz down there as well. I mean, I'm sure that opens up the guards as well. It, it certainly helps. Um I think it helps having so many guys on your roster who can score in double figures. Mm-hmm. If they really wanted to, Virginia Tech could put five players on the court at the same time that are all capable of scoring in double figures in any given night, right? All right, so Aluma and Mutz, that, that's your power forward and your center. And then you could put Couture, Jalen Cohn, Naheem Aileen out there. And all those guys are capable of scoring in double figures in, in any given night. So, uh, I think it helps when you have that many scoring options and you have so many different lineup options. Um, I, I'm really a, a big fan of, of the versatility of this of this roster that, that Mike Young has built in such a short amount of time. In, in, in a way, gosh, I forget who said this on the board. It was either GC Hokey 34 or Seville Hoops. In a way, it was it was like a blessing in disguise that uh, that almost everybody left when Buzz left because Mike Young had the complete freedom to just build the roster back up the way he – Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, Buzz did too, but that's because Buzz just got rid of everybody. (laughs) um, Look, it's a lot easier – in basketball, when you only have 13 scholarship players, it's a lot easier, quite honest, to to tear it down and start from scratch than it is to rebuild something. Particularly if you come in and the roster's not full to begin with. Right, right, exactly. There's like 10 guys there. And there's – and there's guys that you didn't coach. It's like, it's like a programmer coming in trying to fix somebody else's code. And everybody, you know, code is code, but at the same time, everybody has different ways of doing things, right? So that programmer comes in and takes a look at the old programmer's code. And and we've run into this on TSL before. We're pro- it's we're called pro- refactoring. Right, 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 refactoring. And he comes in and looks at the code and is like, this code is 15 years old. It doesn't make any sense. 
uh, I could fix it. It's going to take me longer to fix than it is to just tear it all down so, and start my own code. Yeah, we've gone through both of those on TechSilent on the message boards in particular. At one point, our message boards were about 75,000 lines of code. But a lot of that code was cut and pasted and repeated. Mm-hmm. So you put that stuff in subroutines and you just call it. And and over time, the programmers whittled it down to somewhere between fifteen and 25,000 lines of code. Right. Versus... This code is crap. I'm going to completely rewrite it. That's why our boards are faster now than they used to be. Yes, and and let, let's not. I, I could it? I could talk about that for a while, but so, one of the, one of the things I like about this team is that there there are three guys on this team that I can think of right off the top of my head that to me have no fear, and that's Jalen Cohn. He's putting it up. Hunter Couture. He's putting it up, and uh, um, Tyrese Radford. His no fear is a different kind of no fear. He just man that guy. You know, he, he's he's the Jamon Gordon type. I, I love that guy. I love having that guy on my team. You know, I just wanted to get that out there. That's three guys. You know, there's only two players play. that's averaging over double figures a game, and that's Keve Aluma with uh, 16, and that's Tyrese Radford with just over 10 points a game. So yeah. he's not afraid to go dunk over anybody, and that was not just the Wake Forest game last year. That was proven in the Clemson game this year that and one dunk. Yeah, in the first half over yeah. one of their Fords. So and and so speaking of Duncan, uh, um, Jalen Cohn's got a. He's had two opportunities in the open court this year and has chosen not to dunk it. Did he Jay, dunk one Jaylen last Cone year? Jalen Cohn can dunk. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's right. a great athlete. Yeah. So the last thing I want to bring up, you guys, when we first brought up basketball on this podcast, you guys were talking about how this team's been inconsistent. But you look at the ACC right now, and I I know we can talk about it's not good. We we can talk oh, about how we don't know what the ACC tournament's going to look like, and I know you could take this question I'm about to ask and say, well, we don't know what the tournament's going to look like, NCAA tournament. But this is the AP poll that was last updated last Monday. Again, for those that are listening, Monday afternoon, evening, there could be a brand new poll that could have Virginia Tech as the highest ranked team in the ACC potentially, because that's what John Rothstein of CBS Sports, I read his top uh, top 45 this morning. Mm-hmm. He has Virginia Tech ranked as the highest ACC team at 17th, and he said that Keve Aluma is the most underrated transfer of any player in college basketball this year. So let me, let me go through the AP poll that's current right now, though. FSU number 18, Duke number 20, Virginia number 23, and Virginia Tech number 24. Will... Can the makeup of this team that shoots a lot of threes at a high percentage, can this Virginia Tech team win an ACC championship? Not at this point in their evolution. Uh, Earlier in the podcast when we were talking, I was just thinking about how bad the ACC is. And I wish, and how many times have you said this kind of thing? Really, any fan of any team can say this kind of thing. I wish we had next year's team this year. You know, because because we have been – Cautioned by our in-house guru, GC Hokey 34, you know, just settle down. It's a work in progress. They're, they're really not going to hit their rhythm this year. Um, it, hopefully it'll happen next year. He's right, but I don't think he's necessarily taken into account how bad the ACC is, though. But, um, you, but you have to be consistent. Well, you have to get hot, I guess, yeah. to, to win a you championship. You have to just get hot and, and – I think Tech matches up better with, with Florida State more this year than they have in the past, but I still don't think Florida if, State... If Virginia Tech can get into an ACC tournament where they don't have to play Florida State... Right, if somebody could knock out Florida State for us, that, right. that, that would be beneficial. Um, that said, I, I think Florida State, despite their loss to... Gosh, who was it that beat them? I forget who beat uh, them. I can't remember. But uh, I think they're far and away the best team in the ACC. Yeah. Um, 
I think Virginia maybe could have been, but when you miss that much time, you, I mean, after the season begins. It's... I still think Virginia needs to gel, though. You know, I like Jay Huff and T.H. Clark's playing really well. They need to gel, but you can't Hauser gel if you're not playing. Hauser hasn't quite figured it out. Right, you know? right. But that, there's, that, but that's there's the plenty of time. There is, but they've already missed so much time. And here's the thing, man. We don't even know how they're going to do ACC tournament seeds because, I mean, I guess they'll just do it off winning percentage. But, I mean, not look, not everybody's going to play 20 games in the ACC. Right. These games are not going to get made up, most likely. I mean, you're already playing two games a week. Yeah, technically the Tech so, EVA game was postponed, but. When are they going to replay it? Yeah. Right? And, or or maybe, maybe there is a, a, a week in there. Generally, each ACC team has a bye week where they only play one game a week instead right, of two, right? right? So, okay, maybe you could fit it in there if they're if they're doing that this year. I haven't closely examined the schedule because what's the point of closely examining the schedule this year? Yeah. Um, I, just, I just don't see, you know, especially with teams that, that have more than one game postponed, I just I don't see how the, it's going to – you're going to get 20 games in. I mean, you're going to – some team will get 20 in and another team's going to get like 14 or 15 in. And you're just going to have the base, the ACC tournament seeding zone, you know, winning percentage and all that. And who gets into the NCAA tournament? Oh, this team played 25 games. This team played 18 games. Well, so look, so this team. Well, it's went, the old Ohio State. I was about if you look at the college football playoff. I think yeah. they're going to put the best. I mean, well, this uh, team went 12 and six. This team went eight and five. 18 and six. Uh, yeah, right, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, or 18 and four, or something like that. So it used to be everybody played pretty much the same amount of games and this year it's going to be so wildly different um so i i I think i think the selection committee is going to meet well not meet but uh they're all going to get together on on a zoom they're they're all you're going to be like you know what we're just going to go heavily by the net rankings this year so hang that thing on the wall and let's throw darts at it exactly there you go yeah All right, well, Virginia Tech plays Louisville on Wednesday. That'll be their first game of 2021. The Hokies are 8-1 and and 2-0 and in ACC play with wins over then 24th-ranked Clemson and Miami. So uh, let's transition quickly from – we went from the gridiron to the hardwood to the octagon mat, which was debuted inside of Castle Coliseum on Saturday. New mat for 8th-ranked Virginia it's Tech wrestling. It's an octagon. And is it really? I didn't notice that. It, it looks like a stop sign. It's really I, no, cool. I noticed it was kind of shiny. One of the pictures it was taken had a lot of reflection off and, of it. And, and my analyst on Saturday, uh, Daryl Weber's national champion, was actually saying that that's a lot of uh, international wrestling. That's the uh, way the mat is shaped. And so he was complimenting Virginia Tech and Tony Roby of like trying to develop <laughs> well, wrestlers right on the international stage to have a mat that is similar to that is really cool. So. Uh, I was seeing some comments on Twitter. I don't know if this is true, but it might be the only mat of its kind for college wrestling. So it was debuted on Saturday, 28-6 win for Virginia Tech over a Campbell team that was ranked as high as 12th in the country last year. Really? So uh, they've won a couple of SOCON championships the last couple of years. Well-respected wrestling program that's on the rise. Will, you covered the match. Thoughts on Virginia Tech's season opening win? Uh. Ten wrestlers, ten weight classes, and and Tech had five freshmen wrestling. I think two of them were true, and three of them were red shirts. So if you don't follow wrestling, the red shirts actually get to wrestle while they're red shirting. They they wrestle unattached. Like all three guys probably had multiple matches last year. So you have an idea of how good the red shirt guys are, 
And some of them, I think, even come out of those years nationally ranked because of what they did while they were redshirting and wrestling unattached. Um, but then you have the true freshman. You don't, you don't know what you're getting there. Um, and so the two, the two true freshmen were Sam Heligus. Heligus out of Pennsylvania, 157 and five with two state championships or three? Two state championships. And he opens up by, by pinning his opponent uh, early in the – well, probably about midway through the second period. And who was the other true freshman? Andy Smith from Christiansburg High School. Yeah. Do you yeah. know that Christiansburg High School holds the VHSL record for most consecutive state championships, I believe, of any sport? They won state titles from 2002 to 2018 consecutively. 2002 to 2018. Didn't their coach used to be like at Grundy or something like that? Is that ringing a bell? I do know that. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I think uh, Dresser used to coach at Christiansburg before he coached at Virginia yes. Tech. Right, right. Now, 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 I'm just making a fool out of myself. No, I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty sure the Christiansburg program, maybe, maybe it was Dresser himself. Because the, I, I think, uh, well, I, and this I, is going pretty, pretty far back I'm for me. I'm pretty sure you're right. The premier program in the state was actually, I think, at Grundy. Uh, and it, and it Grundy in the west, and uh, I think Great Bridge in the east. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how how did I get off topic on that? So they've actually got two wrestlers from Christiansburg High School. Yes. The other one is Hunter. Is it pronounced Bolin? Bolin. He's from Floyd, but he went to Christiansburg. Right. Right to uh, participate in the program there. So um, Tech Tech has, of course, Makai Lewis returned to the mat. He's ranked number one in the country in his weight class. Bolin is ranked number two in the country in his weight class. And then you got uh, Corbin Myers came back after being gone for a year. You got some other solid wrestlers. And then you got five freshmen. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think their best years are ahead of Bolin is a junior. I believe so. Redshirt junior. Makai is still a Redshirt sophomore. 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 So, I think I think their best as a team. I think their best wrestling is still ahead of them. So you hear that the number eight, you know, yada yada yada. But I, but I think I think Tony's just and tell me whether or not you agree with this, Evan. I think Tony's just now getting the pieces in place, and he's recruiting depth sure. also. Well, yeah. you're starting to reap the benefits of the really good recruiting classes that he's had, right? Yeah. The best that Virginia Tech wrestling's ever signed a year ago. So, Connor Brady, despite a loss against a re- someone pointed out on the wrestling board. Uh, Barton, who he wrestled a redshirt senior, is a very experienced wrestler who's won a SoCon championship. Um, he's going to be really good at 57, Connor Brady. He was one of the na- uh, biggest recruits in program history. Sam Hillegas in Pennsylvania. Uh, for those that don't know, Pennsylvania high school wrestling is just the best of the best. To go 157-5 and five yeah. in your career with two state titles is incredible. Um He's going to be really good. And I think the name to look out for this year for Virginia Tech Wrestling is Sam Latona at 125 um he went 20 and 2 wrestling unattached he placed six at the senior national event a couple of uh months ago uh redshirt freshman from alabaster alabama i think that with myers back at 133 the town of latona at 125 uh it's a it's a different looking lineup for virginia tech right no david mcfadden um I, I, but I think that this has a lot of talent um, and, and can contend for an ACC title this year. So I thought it was a pretty good opening showing for Virginia Tech wrestling on Saturday. I really did. Uh, they won, what, eight of the ten matches? So Yes. Uh, and, they, and, again, Cam- Campbell wrestled hard. There was a lot of decisions. There was not a lot of bonus point victories. A lot of decisions. I mean, I thought Campbell was a a pretty good opponent for Virginia Tech to open up their season against. Yeah, so. you you and Daryl kept saying, you know, the score doesn't really indicate how close this was and and, and how how heavily contested it was. And and the 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 one that worries me was was Bolin. Bolin uh, was up four to one after one period. He had two twenty five in riding time, 
and then he basically got ridden for the next four minutes of of the match and got called for stalling mm-hmm. so he was up four to one and he wound up winning four to three but he, but he did nothing the last two periods so so that one worries me a little bit and I, I think he'll you know getting back on the mat first time you know again first duel in 10 months I think he's gonna be all right but you're right that was one that I think on paper that was an opportunity for him to win bonus points he only won that four three in a decision yeah he's so, he's ranked number two wrestling and unranked on wrestler. Ranked, correct yeah. Uh, he was wrestling someone from Palmer, Alaska. Ever heard of Palmer, Alaska, anybody? No. It was one of my favorite parts of prep. <laughs> I've heard of Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so Campbell actually has two brothers from Palmer, Alaska, Palmer, Alaska, Alaska. wrestling. You know, my, my only stat that I did not get to throw in there. So anytime there's somebody from a, a random hometown and I'm doing play-by-play, I love to do some interesting prep on that hometown. Uh-huh. And Sometimes you don't get to use all your prep. From Palmer, Alaska, there's a record. Somebody in 2008 um, at a, at a – uh, State Fair in Palmer, 78-pound cabbage. Ugh, that's a lot of coleslaw. No. I was really looking forward to throwing that in there, so I'm throwing it on the Tech Sideline podcast now. All right, we got how, a bunch how of How big is that? Right, that's what I'm saying. I, w- I wish there was a picture. There was not a picture. Uh, we've got a lot of questions here on our YouTube chat. It's our favorite part of the show where you get to interact with Chris and Will. You guys can take it. I need to go take a break, but you can keep going. Sounds good. Chris has waited here patiently throughout the wrestling talk. So (laughs) let's go ahead, get some questions. If you haven't asked, go ahead and throw it in the chat. Um, Jacob Yates, what is the ceiling for this current basketball team, in your opinion? The ceiling is, man, it's so hard to say because I I think they could make a deep postseason run because they have more depth. Um, But, you know, I also could see them – you know, getting knocked out early. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you could wind up in the Elite Eight this year because you have a couple teams who have to forfeit because they have COVID cases, right? right. Um, I think I think it's a <coughs> – I think their ceiling this year is some form of NCAA tournament. That's the highest point. And then after this year, you start talking about making deep runs in the NCAA tournament. I think that's the way it'll work out. I think the ceiling for this team in the ACC, I think the ceiling is a top three regular season finish off of winning percentage. I know we don't know what exactly. I really do think that's a possibility because I agree with you that Florida State's the best team in the conference. But, I mean, UVA, who knows? Duke, Uh, are they going to turn the corner? I think here's the thing about Virginia Tech, right? It's It's a blessing and a curse. If they don't shoot the three ball well, they struggle. But if they get hot... At the right time, mm-hmm. and, and you know you never know what can happen. And even when they don't shoot it well, they can still win because mm-hmm. they can actually score inside right. this year. They have, you know, Naheem Ali can beat guys off the dribble and score. Um, you know, ideally, th- this is where you miss Jada to a certain extent because if the three point shot isn't falling, then he's one of those guys who can beat people off the dribble and score around the rim. Um, but, you know, they've got enough size this year, and they've got enough players that if somebody's having an off night, you can take that guy out. Depth. Right? Yep. Uh, it's, it's it's good to have depth. And I know everybody is like, when is Ojiako going to play? When is Ojiako going to play? At this point, Virginia Tech is 8-1 and one without him. Like, Do, do you really want to just throw, throw a guy on there who hasn't played competitive basketball in almost a year on an 8-1 and one team? It's two and only play. Right, right. Do you really want to mess up that chemistry? Yeah. Um, for a guy that you don't know how he's going to play, like I, I don't know that that's like in a regular year. You know, you just redshirt, right? Um, because there's just no point in him uh, playing at this point. Um, 
but but and I think that's the way I see it now. Like like what's the point? Like you're gonna take Aluma out of the game, right? To to put in a, a an injured sophomore just for the sake of doing so? No, no. Um, you don't you you don't want to get into the situation where you have too many players, um, because you could just mess up chemistry there. I think you're a Richard Ojiaka. Well. We, we mentioned that you would in a normal year, but this year doesn't count. Well, that's so. true. That's true. Brett Johnson asks, thoughts on Torian Gray being let go by the University of Florida, and do you think Virginia Tech should look at bringing him back? And let me throw another question on there at the end. Do you think he winds up at South Carolina Is with there, Shane Beamer? There's always been rumors that, sh- that Shane would try to get him as defensive coordinator. Oh, yeah? and, and Which he, he has not hired a defensive coordinator at this point. Right. Um, would it be a bad – so he actually did get fired – the wording on it was contract not renewed. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's. Uh, hmm. Give me a minute to look it up. I'm pretty sure that that kind of was the wording, but um, you know, again, Florida did struggle in their bowl game. Oklahoma put up a lot of points, so <laughs> okay, they struggled in a bowl game where half their team's out. <laughs> yeah, who cares? <clears throat> I mean, I, I know Florida fans are mad or intense and everything like that, but you can't you can't judge anybody yeah. based on you can't even in a normal normal year you can't judge people based on one bowl game. The wording uh, was fi- sourced to ESPN. Florida Gators fire secondary coaches Ron fire. English and Torian Gray. Yeah, mm. I, I just I don't know. Um, wouldn't shock me to see him end up on that South Carolina staff. Look, that means there's got to be an opening on Virginia Tech staff to hire him. Right? And there's so that means you fire Ryan Smith. Yeah. Or you fire Justin Hamilton. <clears throat> so, so, oh, yeah. Let's, I, let's I laugh because you're not firing Justin Hamilton. You're going you to fire one tech grad just to bring another tech grad back. Right. Right. Uh, and you bring T. Gray back as cornerbacks coach, you'd, you'd have to fire Ryan Smith. Okay, let's say you do that. Let's go ahead and – Ryan Smith, who did such an awesome job recruiting for us this year, in my opinion. And filling yes. in his interim yes. defensive coordinator. Right, right, right. So now all yeah. of a sudden, okay, let's, but let's just say you do fire him just for the sake of hiring Torian Gray. And Torian comes back, and he's your cornerbacks coach. Torian's been coaching college football for 15 years, and all of a sudden he's subordinate to Justin Hamilton, who's the defensive coordinator who's been coaching college football for like three years, at least at this level, right? So there, there's a level of certain level of seniority there that hmm. it's, it's kind of strange. Hmm. Uh, so, I, no, I don't, th- I don't think it's going to happen. No. Um, I, I think he'll end up in South Carolina. It, it, this could even be a thing of Florida being mad at him. Maybe he's already agreed to be Shane right. Beamer's defensive coordinator. Which, uh, and they and, found out about uh, it. Yeah, who knows? Uh, Shane, uh, I actually watched, for some reason, I watched Shane's press conference of introducing about five or six, maybe seven people to his staff. And he had, this was before the news of Torian Gray. And, and the D.C. Not was not one of them? Correct. Right. Right. Ah, right. That well, was going to be my next well, question. So, but – so, but now if he was, if he did want to hire Torian Gray as defensive coordinator, then now you kind of have to explain to the Florida fan base why why you just hired Florida's fired cornerbacks coach to be your defensive coordinator. Explain to the South Carolina so fan base. It, it, like said, it could South- be a chess. It could be a chess game, right? I mean, the, it's the SEC. So, man. so, so let see. The thing is, it's unlikely that he will go unemployed. Oh yeah, yeah. But if he were to go unemployed. You know, there's more money coming in for analyst positions at Virginia Tech. Would would he have a place here as an analyst? Tom Lester writes, did Chris Coleman uh, opt out today or taking a red shirt year, question mark? Chris Coleman is (laughs) overslept. This is like the fourth time in the last month I've actually 
turn the alarm off on my on my phone and then i wake up and it's the phone's in the bed with me and i don't remember any of it so, last night i actually fell asleep reading a book because the book was in the bed with me last, when i woke up <laughs> when this you woke morning up. Too. and i was doing laundry and i never finished the laundry so i had to come here with wet jeans on goodness today and uh because like all my jeans were in the laundry last night oh, I, I, okay. yeah so I, I couldn't quite finish them um uh, so it's so it's so 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 let's get people in the feed to tell a story um when I, when I started working in, as an engineer in Charlottesville, my first ever business trip, we were supposed to travel from Charlottesville to Newport News Shipbuilding, and I overslept. And three, my boss and two other senior people at the company I was working at were waiting for me to get out of bed and show up. And that's, that's like the worst oversleeping story I have. So... If you're in the if you're in the YouTube feed and you've got an oversleeping story that turned out to be a disaster for you, this was not a disaster. This is not a big deal. Five minutes away. If you've got a disaster oversleeping story, tell it. Uh, we have a wrestling question from Justin Thomas. It was very interesting to see no uh, so many young wrestlers get the start on Saturday. Do you know if the starting lineup from Saturday is intended to be the core group for the season? I would go ahead and say, to my knowledge, I would think that that's going to be a, a lot of the same. The wrestler I'm personally curious to see if he'll start some duels is Colin Girardi, who was an NCAA qualifier at 133 from last year. Of course, Corbin Myers coming back got granted a six-year of eligibility. Girardi's very talented. Does he get any work at 141, 133? These are questions I don't know the answer to, and I would love to ask Coach Roby. So Joey, Joey Prada is still on the team, right? And Joey Prada is still on the team. Has he been bypassed, though? I believe Latona has taken over at 125. That's And he they did have a couple of um, – matches after the duel on Saturday that counts for records this year because you have to have at least four matches in to qualify for the NCAA tournament. Prada won at 125. So those are, again, two wrestlers to keep an eye on. Will they get any action? Prada. and um, But again, you know, Sam Latona is wrestling really well right now at 25. Yeah. And Corbin Myers, a three-time NCAA qualifier. So um, a lot of options for Tony Roby at this point. Um, so... Great question, Justin. Appreciate it. Um, let's go to Billy Parvidum. He writes, Would you say the biggest failure of Fuente's tenure has been an inability to develop a successful quarterback? Seems the only solid one was Evans. He was hyped as a quarterback guru coming in with Dalton and Paxton Lynch at Memphis. Uh, I would say his number one, the number one issue has been inconsistent discipline. And off season buy in and things like that, and just overall, that, that, that's too many what guys emerged, not, not yeah. looking the part. I do think the quarterback develop development thing. I do think it's it's probably an issue. Well, it's um, it's been a revolving door, and right, it's difficult right. to right. Yeah, well, it's, it's yeah, it is. I mean, he had Gerard Evans for one year, and then he had Josh Jackson the next year, and then it looked like he was going to have Jackson again the next year, and then Jackson got hurt in like the third or fourth game. And then he had Ryan Willis the rest of that year, and then it looked like he was going to have Ryan Willis last year, and then Willis took a step back and got benched. Got hurt. Got hurt <clears throat> slash benched. Hendon Hooker takes over in game five, has a pretty good year, so it looks like it's going to be Hendon Hooker for the second straight year. And I remember writing articles before the season or at the end of last year saying – Hopefully, finally, Virginia Tech's going to have the same starting quarterback for two years in a row. And then, Man. bam, 
Hooker has his COVID issues at the beginning of the season, so so Burmeister's the starter. Then it's Hooker again. Then at the end of the season, it's Burmeister again. Uh, you know, I'll say, I hope Tech's quarterbacks next year is Braxton Burmeister for 12 games. All year long. All year long. Please. Please. <laughs> and I, I hope Virginia Tech, I hope they can have a spring practice so Burmeister can get time more time to learn the system and, and everything and, and like Chris, that. And, Chris, it keeps, it keeps going back to that. We, we saw Burmeister progressing through his reads against UVA. Yeah, no, take that with a caveat. Caveat is UVA has by far the worst pass defense in the ACC. Not even close. There's no close. But going through your reads is more a thing of are you getting rushed. Yeah, um, yeah, you're you're right. Um, but but still, he had a really good game against UVA. But you know, you also you also have I'm to just, recognize that it's UVA. But yes, so, you're so, right. So would you would you say <laughs> the question was is that well, the, well, is that the biggest failing? <laughs> uh, I don't know. So, no, I don't think it's the biggest failing. Um, but I, I do think I do think it's up there. Like. Look, Ryan Willis is a really talented player. Uh, that guy is, is was 6'4", 225 or 30 pounds, so he's got the size. He was a good athlete. Yeah. He had fairly nimble feet. He could, he could run. Remember that 4th and 11 scramble against UNC or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Remember when he first came in, came in against ODU and ran the read option for like they 30 They were surprised yards? by how fast Holy he was. Holy crap, that guy's faster thought, than well, Josh. He's, he's no well, Josh he Jackson. Was, right, right. Well, he was, <clears> right? He was faster than Josh Jackson. And, uh, and man, he could throw the ball a mile. I mean, that guy can make any throw on the field. He had all the physical tools to be there to be a really, really good quarterback. And he was a pretty good quarterback for Tech as a junior. He just needed to improve his decision-making on the read option and mm-hmm. things like that. And instead of taking a step forward, he took a step back. And I know, yes, he was hurt and everything like that. But there were decisions he was making that I, I don't think were injury-dependent. I, I, I will say, uh, and, and, I, and I will add this to the discussion. Um, if, if if you want the Virginia Tech football program to turn around from a five win season and, and do something better, I think it. I was going to say I think it needs to begin with consistency at the quarterback position, but I think just as important or more important is the off season buy in to strength and conditioning and nutrition. You're, you're not going to be you're not going to have consistent football seasons until you have consistent off seasons. And the bottom line is when your car is running rough, you don't know what's wrong with it, but you know it's running rough and something's broken and something needs to be fixed. You know, when you're trying to figure out what it is, you don't just circle the car and look at it and say, oh, what a nice looking car. I I can't can't figure out what's wrong with it. We'll just keep driving. (laughs) We'll just keep driving. Uh, No, you have you open the hood. You get you look under the hood and, and figure it out. Right. Well. Whatever, generally speaking, and Urban Meyer said this, and he's right, generally speaking, whenever there's something wrong with a football program, you can, it's not something you can see from the outside. You don't just walk around Lane Stadium and the Merriman Center and say, oh, looks great to me, right? No, you have to look inside it. And whatever issues there are with the, with the Virginia Tech football program, I guarantee you that they're, th- that they're much, much more important than what call Brad Cornelson makes on third down. That's just what fans can see, so that's the only thing they can talk about. It's much like Virginia Tech used to win 10 games every year, partly because they were the ACC wasn't very good, but partly because they were so strong in their off seasons. And, and there was nothing broken under the hood. The only thing broken was actually the offensive coaching. Was stuff. actually the play. Well, it was actually the things that the fans <laughs> could see. But Tech still – Tech had an FCS-level offensive coaching staff there for a while, and they still won 10 games every year because everything under the hood was so strong. 
I'm telling you, like like Brad Cornelson <laughs> is like, like here's my here's my list of things wrong, and Brad Cornelson's right about here. Yeah, you know. Uh, so and the thing is, we're not going to be able to know. It's not like we can go in there and watch and and see what they're doing. Uh, you won't know until they run out there in the yeah. in the fall. Or and, and Justin Fuente writes, "Turn up the wick too," and tells everything. <laughs> right, <laughs> gentlemen, we are ninety three minutes in. Wow, we have a lot of great questions still. So, so that's fine. Are are you going to be in town this week in Blacksburg? Um, I was going to talk to you about that afterwards. It is my father's birthday on what Thursday, on but Thursday. I was planning on yeah. maybe coming back on Friday. We, we can talk. We can figure it out. Uh, I, I was hoping. We need to do a questions only podcast. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. Well, you guys, Clark Ruland's got a great podcast. Mr. 804 about basketball. Terrific question in the chat. Um, I've got a question from JPCVT that I wanted to get in, but just. Well, all right. I tell you what, go ahead and ask him and we will answer them in two minutes or less. Okay. All right, here we go. Let's start with Mr. 804. Chris? We'll try to ask the Do you think more teams will press due to difficulties getting the ball past half court as at critical points in the game? Oh, I think that kind of depends on the personnel of the other team. Um, I, I think for a, a tall, experienced team like Florida State, and I have no idea what Florida State's tendencies are to, to press, might be a good idea to throw all those long arms and all those long athletes uh, at Virginia Tech. But, right. you know, if you're like – if you're Duke – and you got a bunch of freshmen who don't even know how to play half-court basketball yet, then maybe it's not such a good idea. Solid so. point. Okay. And, and I think that's where Jada may be missed, is, is getting that, the ball That's a good point. Back to football, Clark Rulin. According to a uh, website, Tech is slated to open against an ACC opponent. Currently, Duke, Next year? Okay. Yes. Currently, Duke, Georgia <clears throat> Tech, Miami, Pittsburgh, and Syracuse already have non-conference games that day. The remaining ACC opponents on the list are UNC at home, or at Boston College, which would you rather have? And he also says, doubt it's UVA. Well, somebody said on the message boards that they could see that UNC game being a Labor Day night game in Lane State. Yes, and hopefully, and that, and we're always better. Hopefully fans will For be Virginia there. Tech, Fuente and his staff are always better in that opening game, yeah. right? So um, that, would, that would be interesting. You don't want to go to Chestnut Hill to open the season? Is that what you're saying? I we we tried that last year. It didn't work out too well. <laughs> yeah. Tried that in 1995. It didn't work out too well. These uh, opening games against Boston College generally don't turn out too well. <laughs> so, yeah, let, let's go UNC. No, no more BC. All right, final question. But, Y'all are rocking and rolling here. JPCVT on Twitter. I'd like to get Chris and Will's thoughts about whether or not they agree with Witt's decision, as well as Justin's, to make no changes to coaching staff or personnel following the season. I recall Chris saying after the UVA game that he thought Justin would be in favor of doing so if it meant keeping his job, but by all accounts that wasn't demanded of him by Witt. As a fan who isn't necessarily thrilled that Fuente is staying, I'm a bit perplexed that he is being allowed to keep everything as is. Well, we don't yet know that he is. But no, let, let's let's rewind back when Frank Beamer demoted Brian Sinspring and fired the other offensive coaches and then brought in Leffler and Grimes and Moorhead. He did not make those announcements until after signing day in February. In February. Right? So he, he let that entire recruiting class get signed, and then like a week later he was like, oh, by the way, we're firing all these coaches. And, right, and, and right. so your first instinct is to say, but the, the, the February signing day isn't a big thing anymore, but the transfer portal is. Right. Um, now, the portal is an ongoing thing. Yeah, it's it's an not, ongoing not like thing. there's a date, yeah. you know. So I don't know that he is. And I'm not saying that he will. I'm just saying that we don't know the whole story yet. Um, we don't know the whole story yet. We don't know if somebody's going to maybe hire Tracy Clays as their defensive coordinator or something like that. 
Um, we don't know. We don't know how much money Tech has right now in terms of buyouts. Uh, we do know there's a football program enhancement fund. We don't know how much of that money is already available, how much of it will be available. We have were some. We were heard that there was some concern that some of those big donors were going to pull their money back and not donate in anymore when they found out Fuente was retained. So uh, there's a whole lot of unknown there, and I, I do know that uh, that Wit and Fuente have reached out to that that group of donors that is providing the football enhancement fund. Um, that they 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 did make an effort and and reach out and talk to him individually um, or as as a group. Um, I have not had a chance to find out yet how that went. I'm going to find that out later this week. I think. As I've said, cooler heads will prevail, and and folks who are interested in supporting the program will do so, whether they're on board with this staff or Fuente Gen- is their guy. Or whatever. Generally speaking, if you if you're in a position where you've got a lot of money, that means you didn't make unemotional decisions with your money. You make long term investments. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's close the podcast with some news. I've been saying all podcasts that there would be likely a new AP men's basketball poll that would come out. Um, at some point, we're going to be able to finish the podcast with Number the new 21. Poll. What do you say? You said 21. What do you think? Chris, that, they were at 24. I have no idea what everybody else did. I'll go 22. Virginia Tech is tied with Clemson for the highest-ranked ACC team at 19th. Mm-hmm. So what did Florida country. State do this week? Did they lose this weekend? Not 100% sure. The poll is this with ACC schools. Virginia Tech and Clemson tied at 19. Duke 21st. Mm. Virginia 22nd. And Florida State 25th. Now, here's the thing. Tw- what, what were we, 21st? No, twenty fourth. Twenty. We're twenty. No, no, no. I'm sorry. What are we now? We're now nine. Virginia Tech is now nineteenth. Nineteenth, and that's number one in the ACC. Tied. That should be like fourth in the ACC. To be honest with you, oh, the I ACC know. Yeah. is bad this year. Yeah. I think I was watching. I guess the Tech Miami game, and they talked about like the last time the ACC didn't have a top fifteen team was like mm. 1994 or 1996 or something like that. So this is kind of historic. And you saw when the Big Ten just blew away the ACC in almost every single game. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't even close. So, um, Eric Fisher, FSU lost <laughs> at Clemson. So that's why the Tigers oh. have jumped as well. So it was Clemson that beat him, right? Okay. Correct. And Virginia Tech beat Clemson about two Thanks, weeks Eric, ago. Thanks, Eric, because we couldn't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Fisher, he's like an esteemed uh, – colleague supporter of the podcast right. he's going to catch us if we fall so always there okay long podcast today but our first one in nearly two weeks gentlemen great to be back i, I like those q a's maybe one week we oh, should we need to do an entire podcast I think, well, no, no, well, let me finish let me do my thought okay. here all right i'd normally write out a friday q a maybe we should do a subscribers only podcast q a hmm. where we don't do it live and we just unlist the video on youtube and and make it subscribers well, only. Well, if we want to have a session on the air right now, I mean, the only thing that we have going on this week, right, is men's basketball on Wednesday against um, against Louisville. So that might be something. Yeah, let's uh, go ahead and chime in uh, chime in the chat if you'd be interested in that. But I think that'd be great. Uh, we've been streaming ninety seven minutes. We have eleven likes. If you're watching on YouTube, please just hit that like button. Yeah, we definitely need more likes and uh, more subscribers. Please help us out as we stream each and every show here on our YouTube page. All right, Chris, you know, I've been looking forward for the last two weeks to be, to ask this question <laughs> because I, I wake up in the morning, I go to techsideline.com and I get all of my content. And I think, gosh, I can't wait for the week ahead. It's coming up on TSI. And I know your question. <laughs> and I can tell you right now, I have no idea. It's all right. At some point, all right, I'm going to post a Jason Stame article later today. At some point this week, the offensive recruits article will get written. I'm uh 
I'm going to be doing an interview with uh, former Western Branch head coach Lou Johnson, who's hmm. recently John written a book. Stone, right? Yes. And yeah. uh, he coached guys like Keith Brunell and Vince Hall and things like yeah. that. And that will get turned into an article at some point, although I don't know when. There will be a Friday Q&A. Uh, there will be coverage of the Louisville game. Okay. Uh, assuming the Louisville game happens. And, poor, uh, poor Jake. Went all that effort to research UVA and write a UVA game preview, and then the game get, didn't even get played. It only takes Jake like 15 minutes, though. Jake Lyman. He's yeah. a stud. So um, so I will say that Chris is going to be on his own pretty much for a while because uh, um, we're getting ready to open the new additional office right next door for a tech sideline. We've got furniture in and lighting in. Looks so good. Computers are coming this week. So I think by Friday – We'll be up and running in that, and then we'll be able to redo this room here and, and enhance the uh, audio video capability that we've got here. Um, and 2021 is going to be a year of change and growth for Tech Sideline, and that is going to require a ton of work by yours truly behind the scenes. Um, you won't see me writing articles. I'll, uh, you know, I'll write articles here and there, but you're not going to see me much. Um, as far as producing content, I will hang out on the boards, but I have a lot of work to do over the next few months to prepare Tech Sideline for next fall and really for the next 10 years, as I like to put it. So I got a lot of stuff that's been swimming around in my head all through football season and all over the holidays, and now I got to get to work on it. So it's a time of growth and expansion for us, and we're really excited about it. Absolutely love it. All right, great show. Thanks for sticking around a little bit longer. Great to have everybody back with us in the YouTube chat. We look forward to a great uh, 2021 new year here at Tech Sideline. All right, that'll do it for us. Episode 160 of the Tech Sideline podcast for our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long, and thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 160 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Have a great week, Hokies.